Hi, my name is Jeff Pagano, and thanks for tuning in to the Harpin on Rugby podcast. HarpinOnRugby.net is an unofficial fan site for Leinster and Ireland rugby, with regular coverage of the latest news and opinion via Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and of course this pod. If you haven't already, please subscribe. We're on Apple Podcasts as well as a host of other platforms. Right about now, I'm meant to be doing a podcast looking forward to the Heineken Champions Cup Final in Marseille on Saturday, which I'd like to think could have involved Leinster, but alas, that is not to be. Instead, for the past couple of months, we've had numerous guests on for a series called Retro Rugby, where we look back at classic matches from years gone by. We've also recently started up a new feature, which we call The Pod of Three, in which we share clips from the best independent rugby podcasts. There have been six of those so far. Be sure and check them out as well. Also on our Twitter account, at Harpen on Rugby, we're running a lighthearted competition called the Leinster Jersey McJersey Face Cup, whereby followers get to vote for their favorite design. We've had 20 jerseys in a Heineken Cup-style format, and since last week's pod, we ran the pool stages, which left us with eight in the quarterfinals, which will start on Thursday, May the 21st at 5 p.m. Please try to vote if you can. To celebrate this, our 50th episode, I'd like to take some time to go back over Leinster's 2019-20 campaign. I know that the powers that be intend to complete all of the tournaments as soon as they can, but the COVID interruption means that it has to be done with different squads and only after a training period which will effectively amount to a new preseason. So what I'd like to do here is commemorate Leinster's unbeaten run, a body of work which overall is a testament to everyone involved at the province. Now I know the winning streak goes back further into the previous season, and it could be argued that defeat at St. James's Park was the catalyst, but for me, these 19 matches represent a plan that began in pre-season and very well could have carried on all the way to May. We'll never know for sure, of course, but that doesn't mean the 19 matches should be forgotten, hence we have this pod. All I'll be doing is going back over the timeline from September to March, reading out a small passage from our Harpen and Rugby match write-ups along the way, and throwing in a few thoughts as well. So without any further ado, here is the tale of Leinster's 19 from 19. Hi, welcome to the tale of Leinster's 19 from 19. I'm just basically going to go on a bit of a ramble um, talking about um, Leinster's progress through the 2019-2020 season. When we look back on this season, it'll be remembered for two things. Obviously for the COVID interruption and also for whoever eventually does win the trophies when um, the tournaments resume. And what will possibly be forgotten is everything that went before the COVID um, situation began, which is fair enough. But considering that Leinster had won 19 matches out of 19, I I personally as a fan don't want that forgotten. So I'd like to use this podcast as a chance to uh, provide that um, for, for posterity, as it were. So I'm going to start by uh, quickly talking about how our preseason went. It was a different kind of season because it was a World Cup year, plus they pushed the start of the Pro 12 to the end of September. So Leinster had a long stretch of from August and September to, to go through preseason and to get the squad ready, and also without the players that had gone off to the World Cup. So the schedule for Leinster, they had the uh, Celtic Cup, where which used to be the British and Irish Cup, but now is just with Irish and Welsh teams. And um, they had those matches all through August and September which they could um, use to, to, to blood new players and bring in new players. And we got a lot of a lot of players came to prominence there. Ronan Kelleher, Kaylin Doris, Will Connors, they all excelled in that time. Um, there were also um, some friendlies for the senior team. 
We had a day um, in Donnybrook where they played Coventry. It was a triple header. They played Coventry first, the senior team. Then the women's team played Connacht. And then the under-20s Leinster team played Ulster. So that was a great day in Donnybrook. And Leinster won comfortably. They also had that game in Canada. If you don't know if you remember that, they played over. In, they played the Canadian um, national team who were themselves preparing for the World Cup. And um, we won that just Okay, I want to, you know, the thing about all these preseason matches, we're talking about a 19 from 19 stretch, but in this preseason, Kelsey Cup and Friendlies, we won them all comfortably as well, except for this particular match, which we did win, but it was with a last gasp, Hugo Keenan try at the very end. They just, just about got the win at the very end. And we also had a friendly in Northampton in that time, which we also won. So that was the buildup. That was the the, the squad um, getting together, playing some rugby. This was the, the the team without the internationals getting to know each other before the season kicked off. And our first match in the Pro 14 was in Treviso on Saturday, September 28th. And the thing about that day, I don't know if you remember, or you probably want to forget that in the morning of that match, that was the day, that was the morning Ireland's World Cup campaign came off the rails and we had that disappointing loss to the host nation, Japan. So we won't go on about that too much, but that was kind of the mindset. Ireland's World Cup was kind of crumbling as Leinster's season was starting. And when our match was, when we played Treviso, um, the result shows we got a win, 32 to 27, but it was by no means perfect um, on the field. Um, the headline for my write-up was called Got There Eventually, which we did. We did get there. We got the win in the end. And this is what I said in the write-up. Yes, Leinster made several mistakes on the day. Yes, there was a case to be made for the sending off being fortunate for us. The Treviso had a, had a man sent off. I think it was in the second half. But the fact that we managed to come out on top despite falling behind twice cannot be ignored. It was a good five points in the road at a venue few will fancy visiting for the rest of the season, ourselves included, because we go back in January. So that's what I had to say about that. And um, we were to go back in January because they're also in our um, Heineken Cup pool. So more on that later. Uh, so that was our first match. We got the five points away. And, you know, at the time we were like, well, we're kind of lucky there. We had no idea what was to come. Um, but my general feeling was we were happy with the five points to start the season. I think anyone should be. Okay. Now, roll ahead to the following Friday. We had our second match and it was our home um, opener at the RDS. We hosted the Ospreys and we really put them to the sword. Now, in the meantime, Ireland had beaten Russia the day before, but on the Friday evening, we really um, put on a show uh, to start the season at the RDS. We beat Ospreys 53 points to five. Totally comfortable match. And um, the headline for my write-up was called uh, Conveyor Belt because I was talking about the um, all the new players, yet more new players that had come up through the Celtic Cup and were uh, going into the senior team and doing really well. And uh, for my write-up, what I did was there were just so many tries, I just described all the tries. So here's a couple of them. On 43 minutes... The Ospreys threatened a bit towards the end of the half, but it was nothing the Leinster D couldn't handle. And when Keelan Giles kicked one out in the full, giving us an attacking lineout, we got into their 22 thanks to Lowe chipping one up over to the top, and he had good support from Ronan Kelleher, who was able to get it the rest of the way for his second and a guaranteed bonus point for Leinster. And then on 49 minutes, with the Ospreys still going nowhere in our half, Kylan Doris powers through towards their 22 off a midfield scrum before we win a penalty which we put to touch. Ronan Kelleher finishes his hat-trick in more conventional hooker style, getting on the end of the mall from the line-out to fall over the line. 
Now, a few elements there which which stretch out and show how the whole this whole run of 19 matches goes. You've got players like Caelan Doris and Ronan Kelleher, both of whom ended up in the senior squad, senior Ireland squad, um, when it got to the Six Nations. Um, plus, there was I also mentioned the Leinster D. This result is one of many where the score is 53 to 5, and it's actually the 5 that's more impressive than the 53. The organization of Leinster's defense was key to this streak being put together. So that was our second match. Next up was the following Friday. Now, this is where um, Harpen and Rugby kind of took a back seat for a little while because I was actually in hospital. Um, I w- did, Our next match was against Edinburgh, and I was sick on the Friday night. Uh, so I couldn't go to the RDS. So there's no write-up for this match. But we still won by 40 points to 14. It was our third successive uh, bonus point win. This is just a clip from the RensterRugby.ie write-up. It was the third successive bonus point victory for the reigning champions, who had a spread of scores from Quaylen Doris, Scott Penny, and replacements Michael Milne and Rowan Osborne during a dominant 23-minute second-half spell. It was Osborne's first senior score for Leinster. Now, I missed all that because I wasn't at the RDS. And then the next morning is actually when I went into hospital. And actually, um, when when I went to the hospital, it was at, at halftime in the Ireland-Samoa match. I was that sick that I couldn't watch uh, a full Ireland World Cup match. So that's just shows how bad I was. Luckily, I was only in there for a week. So that's fine. And um, the, the day after I came back from the hospital uh, was when Ireland lost to New Zealand. In the quarterfinals, we won't talk about that either. Good news that same day, Leinster A team beat Ulster for the Celtic Cup. So that was the week off in between. There was no match for Leinster that particular day. So we're three matches into the season and uh, three wins, maximum points. Very good start to the season. So what was to come next? We were to go to Zebra. If you're looking back over Leinster's season, having won 19 games from 19, and you're to pick one where, well, that's the one we could have actually lost, you wouldn't have expected to be a match against Zebra. All due respect to them, and even though it was away to them, um, you know, generally Leinster expected to, to pick up wins whenever we go there. But this match was, well, I'll just read what my... Um, what I said in the write-up, which was titled In Isolation, partly in reference to my stint in hospital, but also partly in reference to this being a one in a million match. It was a bizarre match. I hope the current coaching ticket will forgive me for this reference, but at times when we were in possession, it was like we were back in the Matt O'Connor days. Yet when the home side had an attacking opportunity, even late in the game and deep in our 22, our defense was more than able to handle it with double tackles driving would-be carriers back almost each and every time. That was the thing. And again, it was our defense that won us this game. And and even though there was such low scoring and even though there were so many mistakes, I still firmly believe that that match went on another 20, 25 minutes. Um, Zebra would at least would not have scored. That's how determined our defensive structures were. And, um, you know, there's been so many times over the years when I've said, I just want to get the win from this game. I don't care if we win 3-0. I don't care. I've said this for several matches. I don't care if we win just 3-0. That's the minimum win you can get. But this was a match we won 3-0, and I was going, am I actually happy with the 3-0 win? But um, as, as as things turned out, you know, that we were happy that that, that we got the win that day because it, it, it kept the streak going, you know? So that was Zebra. That was the weekend of the World Cup semifinals. And then the following weekend... 
we uh, hosted the Dragons at uh, the RDS, and uh, we we had another big win at home to a Welsh region. We beat them fifty points to fifteen. The um, the write up was called Power Play, and. This is a passage from it. When it comes to the match itself, this may sound odd, but having watched it back, I'm inclined to summarize it like this. It was quite possibly the worst 50 burger I've ever seen Leinster put together. I mean, that really does sound like the worst kind of arrogance, doesn't it? Yet I actually mean it. Over the 80 minutes, we made a lot of mistakes, many of them understandable given the conditions. Though having said that, we did seem to commit to a high-risk style of attack, so in a way, we were inviting the knock-ons. It was another night where we just the, the tries were going in. The opposition really weren't getting anywhere against us, and um, the younger players were coming through. It was just uh, just another big, big amazing win for us. And the following week, we we went down to Connaught, and we thought this might be um, our first real test of the season. But uh, we got another big win, and the final score there was Connaught eleven, Leinster forty-two. My write-up was called Half Hour Full Power, and um, this is a piece from it. Once more, Connor tried to spark their attack into life on the next series, and once more they were thwarted by the strongly drilled Leinster defense. First and foremost was Will Connors, who had some productive carries, but most of all led the tackling charge with 23 and none missed. And what's more, although he both started and finished the match, he had to go off for an HIA, which probably stemmed from the fact that the vast majority of his challenges involved taking out the first carrier from the breakdown at the knees or below, making offloads much harder and jackals much easier. With all due respect to Ronan Kelleher for his brace of tries, I'd have given man of the match to Will. Again, we've got these players that with the World Cup um, uh, contingent still not back in the squad. These guys that a lot of Leinster fans wouldn't have even known um, the previous season. Ronan Kelleher, Will Connors, Quaylen Doris. um, They just, they, they, they are, they're arriving in the squad now, ready to go, ready to play, ready to be man of the match. And in case of people like Doris and Kelleher, ready to play in the Six Nations. I mean, that's that's the quality of talent that's coming through for Leinster. So that was a big win at Connacht. We were very happy with those uh, those five points. And then the following weekend, Saturday, November 16th, we had our first Heineken Cup match. And um, we it was we're back playing Benetton again, but of course this was this was the real deal now. This was the Heineken Cup. We're we're We've got the internationals back. We're, we're starting up an, an, a new European campaign. We're trying to put that defeat to Saracens behind us. And although we did, things weren't as, um, again, against Benetton, weren't as easy as they might have been. We still came through strong. We still won convincingly, finished 33 to 19. And the uh, write-up was called Moving On. And here's what I had to say. Swapping your entire front row and your strong tackling out half before a key defensive set isn't something most teams would tend to do. And I have to admit, as faithful as I am to the boys in blue, I wasn't crazy about it myself at the time. While I understand the need for squad management and making subs at predetermined times, I would have thought the match situation also had to be taken into account. Well, these substitutions took place at the 55-minute mark, and it wasn't until 10 minutes later that James Ryan swatted an Italian dart, giving us possession in their half, and in all that time, they could not cross our line. The introduction of Peter Dooley, James Tracy, and Michael Bentz, and Ross Byrne, took absolutely nothing away from our defensive structure. See, that was the thing. Um, the the Italians, they came, they they kicked um, uh, to touch a penalty that they could have easily put over the posts um, in the in the early stages. That showed an intent. That and and sure enough, they got a try from that. We had just scored down the other end seven nil. Then it was seven seven. Um, 
they 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 didn't come to just make up the numbers. They ended up getting three tries on the day on us, which not many teams did in this season. But um, the the fact of the matter is, it didn't really phase us. Uh, we were every time the Italians raised their game, we were able to rise it as well. And um, like I say, it was almost it was almost arrogance that on a, on a serious uh, defensive situation, we had no problem swapping out our entire front row, bringing on three whole new players, and changing the out half. And uh, still, nothing changed in the defensive structure. We were able to hold them out. That was amazing. So that was a winning start. The following weekend, we went to Lyon, and we won that as well. That wasn't as as easy. That was a tough, a hard-earned victory. But again, it was our defense that got us through. And the, the, the name of this, because I called it our blue wall, our blue defensive wall, or blue defensive cordon, um, the name of this write-up was called Cordon Blue. And um, this is the passage from it. I will keep on saying it because Leinster keep on proving it week in, week out over the eight matches we have played this season. No matter what 15 or even 14 is on the park, if we can continue to intimidate our our opposition into making high-risk choices with the ball merely by the thought of facing our defense for the rest of the season, it will only lead to good things come next May. Yeah, didn't quite work out that way for us, but uh, you know what I meant. So after that... um, Two wins from two to start our Heineken Cup campaign. We went back to the Pro 14 for one week, but it wasn't meant, uh, certainly wasn't meant to be an easy match. It was away to Glasgow, so uh, we had our work cut out there. But again, we we were able to raise our game for the occasion, and we we put them to the sword as well. We came away from Scotstown with a 23-10 victory. And uh, the name of my write-up then was Heights from Depth. And what I said was, what can I say about our defensive organization that I haven't already said over the past eight matches. Well, one thing does jump out of this particular performance. Our overall missed tackle count of 31 doesn't look great as a raw stat. But when you saw our defense in action, it didn't really seem to matter as whenever a carrier was missed, he was generally swallowed up by at least one tackler moments later. And top of the charts yet again was Will Connors, who seamlessly picked up from where he had left off in Galway a few weeks ago. That was the thing. Um, it wasn't so much that tackles weren't being missed. I mean, they, the, the tackling stats can be very deceiving, but it was just our organization was so much that one person could commit to go to go get the guy, and even if he didn't get him down, he would hit him enough that that there'd be people behind him that uh, could cover and couldn't get through. And we were really we were really in control of that match, and um, it was really starting to look now that this was going to be a special season when we got that win in Glasgow. So that was the Pro 14. Straight away after that, though, back into the um, Heineken Cup, and we had a home-and-away match with Northampton. And that was a big deal going into that because they'd won their first two matches as well. So it was a real playoff for top spot in the group. And uh, because we played in Northampton first, we it could have been an advantage for them. They could have really felt that they could beat us. But again, we managed it, and uh, we came away with a big bonus point, 43-16 win, which was very comfortable. And uh, there was one particular try that that got me here. So this is how I wrote it up. Up stepped Jordan Larmer, or should I say sidestepped. After one of his would step around you in a phone box move, got him another line break. And while he had a Kiwi in support again, this time it was Jameson Gibson Park, not James Lowe, and he couldn't pack himself to make it to the line. Not to worry. We were about to display the most fundamental difference between the two sides on the afternoon, namely an ability to finish via phases from five meters out. Well, for the Saints, those situations repeatedly ended in nothing more than three points for the rest of this match. For us, they repeatedly ended in tries. This was a case of not just our defense 
Okay, our defense was holding them out each this time, but when we were in those situations, we were able to finish. And maybe for these European matches, those were the games where we needed the little extra um, from the likes of James Lowe, Jordan Larmer, and whatever to help us get 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 that extra bit out of it. And we were still winning comfortably. So that was that match put away. We had them back at the Aviva the following weekend. And again, it was another convincing win. We beat them 50 to 21. We were getting closer to Christmas now, so my... Um, uh, write-up headings were having a, a, a holiday theme. This was called Quality Treat. And uh, what I said in the write-up was, rather than be too superstitious about how long this perfect start to the season is going to last, I'd much rather let the future matches come along one at a time and just savor what I've seen today. We seem to be playing like a team that is determined to shake St. James's Park from our memories. And while the likes of Claremont, Toulouse, and Ulster, who we play next Friday, and yes, even Saracens will no doubt provide much bigger challenges down the line, you can be sure they will be equally wary of us, if not more so. And that win after that weekend meant that we'd actually qualified for the quarterfinals after just four matches, which is, I don't think has ever been done before in the competition. But of course, the way the Heineken Cup goes, it's not, you don't just want to qualify, especially a team like Leinster. You don't just want to get into the Final Four. You want to qualify as a top seed or a high seed or just at least get a home quarterfinal. So that's where we were there. Now, on Friday, December 20th, the last night before um, Christmas, we had Ulster at the RDS, and things did not exactly go entirely our way. The final score was 54 to 42, okay? Um, but that doesn't really tell the whole story. Ulster came back with a rake of tries towards the end. So a lot of people were going, oh, oh, question marks about Leinster's defense. But, you know, in general, a lot of times, the way the system is set up, uh, when you have the f uh, five match points in the bag, okay, and you're way ahead and you're definitely not going to lose the game, it, it's something in the mentality of players. Coaches will never tell players to ease up, but you can't uh, blame them for, 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 for thinking. And fair play to Ulster. They didn't let up and they kept going. This is what I had um, in my write-up. This scoreline could well offer hope to the rest of the continent that our infamous blue wall can be breached in the right circumstances. The first three tries may not have proven this, but certainly in the latter stages, Ulster showed that backing yourself in the contact can reap some reward if you stick at it, which they certainly did, and fair play to them. So that's that's how it ended, and and it has to be said, Ulster have had a, had a really good season as well. For all I'm saying about Leinster, Ulster had been doing really well. They're just they just always seem to be that, that unfortunate that when they're doing well, we seem to be doing better. It's been like that for the last I don't know how many years now um, in in European rugby and and uh, in the Pro 14. So that's where we were at Christmas time. Next up was uh, the post Christmas trip to Thoman Park. Of course, going to Thoman Park is never easy for Leinster at uh, at any time of any season. Um, but considering what had happened the previous year um, in the same match, which was at the same time in the season and had the same referee by as well, by the way, um, this match uh, was always going to be, um, you know, it was it was never going to be the same as any of the other matches in the season. Never is. But this was an extra needle to it. But in the end, Leinster came out on top. It was a really windy day um, uh, post-Christmas. And the final score was 13-6 uh, to Leinster. My write-up was called Moon Phases, as in Moon, the spelling for Munster in Irish. And um, in my write-up, I said this. 
As I watched this match the first time as a fan, I saw several different ways we could have thrown away our early lead, especially when Jack O'Sullivan jackaled the penalty in our 22 at the 78-minute mark following immense pressure on our scrum. But watching it again as a blogger who has written up all 24 of these contests throughout the onesies, I couldn't help but be impressed by the blend of determination and confidence in the boys in blue without the ball from kickoff to the final whistle. Full strength or no, you don't keep Munster trialists at Thoman Park without earning it. Again, is our defense winning the day. And we had the win with us in the first half. We got our scores when we needed it. And once we got that advantage, we were able to see at home for the rest of the match. And we kind of kept Munster. Um, they we didn't even keep them far from our line. We, it was almost like we were treating the 22 as the try line. And they were, they were struggling to, to break through there as well. So it was a really impressive uh, slog of a performance. Not for the purists who like free-flowing, attacking rugby to win matches, but it still got the job done. And, and I really enjoyed it. So that was um, that was the end of 2019 for Leinster. It was a really good end. And um, to start uh, 2020, we had Connacht at home. And uh, we, we had racked up another big win. This was 54-7. to seven. But I wanted to be cautious with my uh, write-up. And the headline for that was less than halfway there. I was trying to make the point that we're not even halfway through the season yet. And nothing is won until you get to the end of it. Of course, as it turned out, we never got to the end of it. But um, you, you get what I was meaning at the time. In my write-up for the Connacht match, I said... Connett clearly came to the RDS with a view to kicking themselves into better territory positions. But even then, we snuffed them out so much in the first half that they all but abandoned the boot after the break, opting instead for quick offloading and sniping runs from Quaylen Blade to find ways through. Sadly for them, that generally didn't work either. We just we just completely had their number on the day, and uh, we got the result to, to, to justify it. Now, next up, we're back to the Heineken Cup. And this time we had Leon at the RDS on a Sunday. And... Um, my write-up for this was called A Perfect Starting 15. And um, the write-up, I said, Of course, you can't say any of Leinster's 15 wins to start this season have been perfect. But when you put them together, it's as perfect to start to a season as any team could wish for. But when it comes to the other meaning of my title, you get into very interesting territory. Of those wearing blue on the RDS turf at kickoff on Sunday, I reckon only Ross Byrne can truly say his jersey is on loan. And even that is only because it's from a player no team in the continent would leave out. And remember, among the excluded of which I speak are the likes of James Ryan, Rob Carney, Dan Levy, and Jack Conan. That's the kind of praise that I would genuinely give for the likes of the Will Connors and the Max Deegans and these kind of players who have broken into the team. It has just gotten that we've just gotten so strong, so deep in so many positions. And it's uh, it's almost scary for Leinster at the moment. Now, next up for Leinster was um, the sixth match in the uh, Heineken Cup. And just to seal um, our, our top seed in, in the pool stages. And we were uh, going back to Treviso, which is where the season started, if you remember. And um, for this one, I named the article Cohesion. And the reason I did that was because there was a famous uh, interview with Stuart Lancaster. Now, uh, at the time, he did, wasn't doing that many interviews. Of course, since the COVID, he's been doing interviews every five minutes, because, of course, everyone has, because they've, they've extra time on their hands. But at the time, uh, this interview got a lot of traction. And one word he used throughout that interview was cohesion. He was explaining about how the team was working. It was a great um, explanation of how he'd gotten the team, the initial squad and then when the players came back from the World Cup how we got them together and cohesion was the theme so that was the name of this article and um, in it I said 
Despite the lack of absolute perfection from Leinster, the cohesion was still somehow apparent. This impression was most embodied by the display of skipper for the day, Luke McGrath, who was rightly awarded man of the match. I thought he did extremely well with the referee, made a number of darting runs around the fringes that kept the mostly solid Benetton defense honest, and also right after the Quaylen Doris yellow when the home side opted for a scrum, he made a critical tackle on their hefty number eight, Tola Halafihi, who had taken it from the base. And his role when we eventually crossed their line didn't hurt either. It was just one of those games where we scored 18, we got another shutout in Italy, um, that doesn't sound like an amazing thing, but Benetton were definitely no slouches in, in this year's Handling Cup, and they haven't been for the past couple of seasons. They've been doing really well. So an 18-0 win away from them to clinch first seed was something else. Of course, it turned out that we ended up um, having to face Saracens in the quarterfinals, uh, which was just a weird turn of events considering everything that's happened to them and uh, the directions both teams have gone since that uh, final last year. They're only to meet again in the quarterfinals, but we'll see how that eventually turns out. Okay, Now, after all of that, the Six Nations kicked off. Ireland had two home wins against Scotland and Wales. And then on Saturday, um, February the 15th, uh, Leinster welcomed the Cheetahs to the RDS. And I don't know if you remember that, but there was a certain thing called Storm Dennis. Um, the, the, those days, there were different things that were um, that were stopping us from doing the things we wanted to do. But on a, on a day like that, when the wind and driving rain, we still went to the RDS. I, my... My laptop got absolutely soaked up in the press box because the um, it's covered, but being covered doesn't matter. If there's open space behind you, uh, the rain's still going to get in. So that was a, that was a frustrating day. But uh, on the pitch, Leinster just got a really strong start, uh, got a, built up another big lead, and were able to bring it home. Cheetahs got it. Woke up late in the game, got a couple of tries, but it was it was over as a contest by then. So my write-up for this one was called Muddle in the Puddle, and um, in it I wrote, It was interesting to see how they set about chasing the five league points on offer. And on the very first bout of possession from a scrum at halfway, Kieran Frawley planted a perfect touch finder into the Cheetahs 22, one of many great decisions the young out half was to make in the day. Were the conditions not so knock-on friendly, he could have easily have been man of the match. See, there's another name I haven't even mentioned in all of this. And another one, again, is Harry Byrne. We've got, we, we brought on so many great players up into the squad. It's hard to get them all game time. But there's just a lot of talent there to be shown. And both Kieran Frawley and Harry Byrne had great, have had great outings uh, throughout the season at, at, at different levels. So that was uh, win number 17. We're getting close to the end here. The next up, we traveled to um, play the Ospreys, and we played at a ground called the Null. When we won 21 to 13, I mean, for the way these matches have been going, that's a narrow victory for Leinster, but we still got the win. And the uh, write-up was called From the Windy Null. And in the write-up, I said, the Ospreys played really well, especially on defense. But considering all the changes we made to our lineup from the previous week, they should be disappointed as the result would have been very different had they taken their chances, especially when they had the 16th man Storm Dennis on their side in the first half. That said, we were very good at taking our own chances and I was happy with the win. I mean, at this stage, you won 18 matches on the bounce. I have do a write-up every Monday. It's like, how many times can I continuously say how well the defense has been, how well I'm impressed with the new players, how well I'm impressed with the way we're finishing our chances? It's just again and again and again. And, I mean, I have no complaints. I'm a Leinster fan. And I'm not trying to show off 
that, oh, my team is greater than anyone else. They're my team. They've always been my team. Before they were winning Heineken Cups, I was a Leinster fan. And it, it, but it's just amazing to when, when you're in a stage like this, when they have a team like this that's as focused as this, to, to, to be able to ride on them. It's, an, it's been an amazing experience. So a bit of a come down after that. Uh, that was on the Friday. On the Sunday is when England comfortably beat Ireland in the Six Nations. And it looked like our, our you know, the, the national team was, was still kind of going down, having after the disappointing World Cup. And it looked like we weren't going to win another Six Nations. And it was just, you know, the, the, there was negative talk again around the national team. So it was a kind of a relief. To get back to the uh, to get back to the Leinster team, and then but then this is also when the COVID stuff was starting to to take hold around the world, different places around the world. It was happening in America. There was obviously news coming from China, and we were all saying, "Was it going to happen here?" And then when it hit Italy, it meant the Italy match um, in the Six Nations was called off. So we knew that was being called off on the Friday, Friday, February the twenty eighth. Um, Ireland held an open training session. At Donnybrook. So I went to that. I met up a couple with the lads um, who've helped me out here in the pod, Joe Shepard and Connor Cronin. We, we recorded a podcast to preview the game against Glasgow that night. Um, I came back to the RDS to watch that game. And again, it was another comfortable win for Leinster. And it turned out none of us knew. We knew that something was coming down the line, that more matches might be postponed. But we didn't realize this was going to be the last match of this um portion of the season. Leinster had a comfortable win, 55 to 19. And the stars of the night were um, were in the name of the title of the uh, write-up. It was the two locks, Fardy and Baird. Scott Fardy and Ryan Baird, another name. Ryan Baird, another name that's come up from the A-team this season and, and definitely looks like he has a good future. Um, this is what I said in the write-up. <clears throat> First of all, Scott Fardy has long since earned himself a place in the discussion over Leinster's greatest ever imports, right up there with Issa, Rocky, Brad, Nathan, etc. If or surely when he gets his T-shirt from the official Leinster Supporters Club, I'm picturing a side-on silhouette of his head providing the G in the phrase Great Scott or something like that. My second thought is about Ryan Baird. If this is how he plays at the age 20, imagine how good he'd be when he reaches Fardy's vintage. From the raw talent he displayed on Friday, I can foresee a night at the RDS Arena 10 years down the line where he's the one waiting in the whitest channels, effortlessly slipping passes through for his wingers to score. That was the thing about um, Fardy. Like, he, as a lock, doesn't matter to him. He's out there. He's able to join in and attack when we have an overlap and know exactly how to fix his runner, drop off the offload to someone like James Law in the wing who finishes. Not a bother on him. When Ryan Baird scored his try, it was more traditional. He just charged up the middle and uh, beat everyone for an amazing score. Showed amazing pace. So a couple, of, a couple of incredible tries that night. Comfortably put Glasgow to the sword. And there we were, 19 matches into the season, 13 wins in the Pro 14, six wins in the Heineken Cup. Definitely looking, um, going for the trophy cabinet until May. But then we all know what happened next. The country shut down. Uh, there was no more rugby, no more anything for everyone. Everyone's lives changed. And, well, you know, that's a whole different topic. I, I don't want to go too much, but I just hope everyone's doing okay now. And uh, we look like maybe we're starting to come out of it the other side. There's a bit of rugby coming on the telly now in New Zealand. There's talk of uh, rugby happening here in Ireland, maybe, 
you know, not too long, maybe around August, we have some maybe uh, interprovincials behind closed doors and stuff like that. Talk about resuming the Pro 14 and whatever, but that's all down the line and we'll wait and see what happens. But whatever happens then, they have to kind of all start again from scratch. Some of them have new players coming in. The squads might look a little different. We're finding out now. Whoever's any team like Munster have signed new players, they're going to have them in their squad. So I just wanted to do this podcast to remember those 19 matches from Leinster. I thought it was an amazing season. It's going to be forgotten by most um, because, be, like I say, it'll be remembered for the COVID interruption and whoever ends up winning the trophies. But that the body of work that went into putting together that 19 matches just has to be remembered by all Leinster fans and, uh, and you know, maybe put an asterisk on this season going down the line as the time we did this perfect run with some uh, almost near-perfect road be both with and without the ball and with some amazing players coming through so listen thanks for listening to me uh, harp on all this for for this long i'm going to sign off now um thanks for tuning in we're going to be back with more um uh, contents during the week we've got the leinster jersey mcjersey face cup uh, to finish on, on check us out on twitter at harpin on rugby We've got the front five every morning. We've got more pods of three coming. We'll have another podcast next week. Loads coming up. Just uh, find all our content at harpandrugby.net. So that's it from me. Thanks for tuning in to the very end. And uh, stay safe, everyone. Slan. Thank you.